I'm not going to sit here and say I'm never going to throw a club again, but I do know how to handle that frustration off the course better now than I did four months ago. Let's go! And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my other partner in crime, my other co-host, Matt Cermak with me. What's up, Ev? How we doing? What a ride with Grace and Murray we just had. Just one of the most special rides we've had in a while. Inspirational ride. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to impact a lot of people, I think. But before we get to that, if your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place, especially this episode. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PGA tour pros like today with Grace and Murray, best-selling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train, like every episode is presented by Roback activewear and Cermak. It's basically it's October. Yeah. It's the fall. So joggers and hoodies, you said. I mean, that's is that the uniform. The, is that not the go to look right now? It's the uniform for everybody across the world. That yeah. So that is in fall season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't get over how good, the, how comfortable the joggers are, how sturdy and durable they are. And then the hoodies, they've been out for a while. You've I'm got, I think, 15. Yeah. And are you on 15 or 16? <laughs> I think 15. <laughs> um, Let's not get got, crazy. 15. <laughs> Get yourself a gray hoodie, get yourself a Navy hoodie, some Navy and black joggers, and you won't want to take them off. It's funny at the member guests, people were coming up to me. (laughs) People were coming up to me. They're like, dude, these rollback hoodies, I can't get enough of them. I'm like, dude, I know they're the best, the best hoodie in the world. No joke. It's not even close actually. So rollback.com, enter the code train, (laughs) get a, get some joggers, get some hoodies, get some Q-zips, whatever you got to get. And uh, if you forget what that code is, Tap the show notes of this episode. There's always a link there. Tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. It's also always linked on our Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok bios. Tap that link in our bio. You'll see get 15% off rowback. You tap that link and it'll auto apply in your cart. If you've gotten that discount before, you probably need to use a new email or do whatever you need to do. Because so. you can get it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just waiting until rowback calls us one day and they're like, yeah, It'd be great if you'd stop saying that. And I'm like, well, you didn't hear it from us. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know where you guys heard it, but yeah. we, we've had 20 deliveries to yeah. the same, <laughs> yeah. same address in a matter of the yeah. week. <laughs> so thank you to Roback. Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. I don't think we've ever had an episode like this. I just want to say yeah. something, Sarm. I want to say you can't always take a book by its cover. Okay. You might've seen Grayson Murray. A lot of people might know him from the 2022 U S open this year of throwing his putter, snapping an iron. And we talked about that. Okay. And I just want to say, he talks about the level of frustration. He talks about how he would have done it differently, but you know what? He's so much more than just a moment of frustration. We've all had that. And I think if you've ever struggled in life on the golf course, off the golf course, you just feel like you don't know what to do next. You don't feel good when you wake up in the morning this episode's for you. If you yeah. need a boost of inspiration of how to keep going when you don't feel like it, this episode's for you, yeah. especially at the end. Uh, this is as like real and as raw as it gets. And yep. to talk to a PGA tour player who's had his fair share of ups, his fair share of downs, but he's found a place in his life where he's just trying to, you know, take it day by day. What did he say? Things like control what I control. Mm-hmm. What's my motivation? What's my purpose? Repeat your habits. 
it was a pretty special episode. It gets, uh, like you said, emotional, very inspirational at the end. I mean, the correlations with the show have golf goes back to life and doesn't get easy out there on the course and doesn't get easy in life being open and talking about it. that's what we do on the show, right? We're open. We talk, we share yeah. thoughts, share ideas, you know, share our wins, share our losses. And hopefully I'll just get better by doing that. And I think this episode is a great example of that. Yeah. This is really, really special. What a guy. Everybody can relate to this. You can really, really get a lot from this. I mean, guys, go to his Instagram and watch the video he posted on September 10th, right? I mean, yeah. he started off by winning a Corn Ferry Finals event, got his card, won Rookie of the Year on the PGA Tour, won the Barbasol in 2017, and then, you know, had his lows. And I think we see that a lot on the tour because golf is cyclical, just like life. And sometimes this game feels easy and sometimes it feels impossible. And if you've ever felt like it's impossible, this is the episode to listen to because it'll inspire you to keep going. And I needed to hear this. I'm sure you needed to hear this. Yeah. And um, everything he was describing, I could re- you know, relate to at some point from playing yeah. this game forever. Yeah. I feel so lucky that we were, he's in our community now. Yeah. I just feel grateful that he talked to us about, it's nice to see folks doing something positive, you know, like I'm not going to lie. Right. We feel like we're on an Island sometimes, you know, right. where like everyone's talking about the negative sides of the game. We know we're not growing as fast as we would if we were talking about what everybody else talks about, but I wanted us to be true to our mission and That's help it. people see the positive side. And yeah. um, it's days like this that I'm grateful that we have our platform and I'm, I really know, and I hope that it's going to help a lot of people. Well, he, yeah, I'll, I'll end with this. He talked about per, finding his purpose. I mean, what we're doing, I mean, it's yeah. all about purpose. So absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Special interview today. Yep. Well, thank you again to Grayson at Grayson Murray on Instagram. Give him a follow and give us a follow. If you haven't already at the par train. And if this show connects with you, which I know it will throw us a review on Apple podcasts five stars on Spotify. Yeah. Those have been and, great uh, guys. We appreciate it. So no matter how dark it may feel, no matter how frustrated it might be out there, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride guys. Take care. Grayson Murray. It is our pleasure. Welcome aboard the train, my man. How we doing? Good. Thanks guys for having me on. Now, I normally kick these off, but I think Cermak wanted to go down memory lane with you. So I'm going yeah. to kick it to Cermak this time. Before we get right. started, we, we got to talk about the three wins at the Callaway Junior World Championships that you had. I was lucky to play in that event a couple times, twice. My best finish was 16th. Let's talk about these big victories. And for the, all the listeners, best international junior tournament, arguably in the world. So I had to ask you about those memories. Yeah, I mean, I I won three in a row, like you said, and my dad wasn't even going to take me out to the first one. It was all the way in San Diego, and I'm, I'm from North Carolina, so it's a big trip for, I think I was 12 or 13. So, you know, it's a lot of money financially for my parents, and one of the kids who I grew up playing with, his dad talked my dad into taking me out there, and I won. You know, next year came around, he's like, well, we got to go back, won again. I ended up costing my dad a little <laughs> bit of money those three years, but he wouldn't trade it for anything. And like you said, I mean, it's one of the biggest junior tournaments in the world at the time. I don't know if it still is, but I think me and Tiger and Philip Francis, which is a name from the past, 
but yeah, I mean, I think we're the only three that won it three times in a row. So anytime you're associated with Tiger and anything with golf, it's obviously an honor. So Grayson, the year I played in the 12 and 13 age group, Phil Francis won it at Steel Canyon. He was great. He's such a great player. Yeah. Yeah. So I lived in San Diego for three years before LA and I used to, Tory was obviously, I based where I lived so that I could play Tory for 30 bucks twilight. So I used to see the flags that week. I'd be like, Oh, I can't play, you know, South this week or, you know, super cool yeah. to see all the flags around the green and the buzz and sermon and, and our mutual best buddy played in it. So I got to ask you before we dig in other stuff, what was it like going back as a 13? What, what were you 13 when you went back to defend? Yeah. What was that like? What was the 13 year old Grayson mindset going into try and win back to back? My dad would always tell me like, let's just go out there and have no expectations. That was kind of his words. And they still are to this day, like have no expectations. And then you can't really let yourself down. That's kind of his thinking process probably. But if my dad's telling me this, then that's pretty cool. Cause most parents at 13 years old, they're, you know, they're drilling their kids and making them practice certain hours and making them do all this. My dad's just pretty chill. He's like, yeah. just do your best. So they're really, I mean, honestly, I was so good at that age. Like I want everything and it's weird. It's like, I'm trying to get back to that, like mindset somehow at 29 now, I just turned 29. It's like, how can I, you know, what I've learned from those however many years to now, it's like, how do I get back in that 13 year old grace and mindset? But I mean, obviously, you're naive and don't really know much at 13. So golf is a little more simple. We thought less back then, right? Grayson, like just about the consequences, the ramifications, the, the pressure wasn't just didn't feel didn't feel the same. No, like you're just a little kid in a candy store. I loved San Diego. Like it was so cool. Like just going to the ballpark at night, you know, or go Petco or going downtown, just walking around and. You know, some of the friends I have, even like back then, I'm still friends with today. And some of them are even on tour. So it's, it's yep. just wild to see everyone's path, like how we got there. But we were still, you know, we were friends at 13. I know everyone hears about like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth being buddies way back in the day. So it's yep. cool how that just comes in full circle like that. Yeah, it seems like at that age, there's a level of excitement that can outweigh anxiety, right? Because you're not thinking about the results as much. And there's a level of confidence and swagger at that age. That is, I think we've talked about many times on this show to figure out how to play like a kid again. We've had full episodes to play like a kid again. Would you say that that's true? That it's, it, it's more excitement. You just can't wait to hit that next shot. Yeah. And I think like at that age, like we're so competitive, like we're as, as an athlete growing up, like you just want to beat your friends and you just want to win. And you don't like no, second place doesn't do anything for you like it does now on the PJ tour or the pro level. Second place is still, you know, a lot of money and a lot of points and all this, a lot of comes with second place, but the guys who are like, who win a lot, it's almost like they, they, they just want to beat their friends or they just want to win, man. Like that's yeah. just all they care about. That's all I cared about when I was 13 was winning like that. I felt like I didn't view it this way, but I probably like looking back, I'm like, man, if I don't win, this I, I failed this week. Like I, I didn't accomplish what I wanted to do. Now tournament, you come in top 10 and you're like, all right, it's pretty good. Like right. cash a nice check and you know, I'll take it. Like, but like I said, the top guys who win a lot, that's not their mindset for sure. 
We've actually heard that, Grayson, from a lot of Corn Fairy guys we've had on the show. You go from winning and you go from dominating and then you get to the Corn Fairy and it goes to, I just need to make cuts or I just want to make a cut this week. And it's totally opposite of how they've historically played. And it's it goes to defensive instead of offensive. It sounds like that's what you're saying a little bit too. Exactly. You get to be like, I wouldn't say content because that's a weird word to use. Like, I don't think anyone's ever content. Like at a top level of anything they do, you always want to strive for better, be the best. But there is that level of kind of contentness of like, all right, you know what? I can make, I can make a good living out here. I can kind of fly under the radar. Like no one's going to know who I am type deal. And I can support my family. I can have a nice lifestyle and maybe I don't have to work crazy hard and get by. And honestly, it's like what you want out of it. Right. Like I, I go back and forth. It's like, my career has been like this, obviously. And when I've been up here, it's like, man, I love, I love the taste of success. I just want to, I want to keep doing it. And I want to just work harder and harder and, and try to achieve something that so few people have done, like win a major or whatever. And then you're like, all right, you go back in this little trough and it's like, all right, I'm pretty content, you know? So that's a, that's a battle that I, I kind of go through shit every like, Every day, it's almost like, all right, how do I get out of bed? What's my motivation today? And then, you know, obviously, everyone's different. But for me, I'm like, if I see success, whatever it is, if I go to the gym for a couple of weeks and I start to see my body change, like, that's addicting. Like, I want to keep going. It's just it's golf's the same way. I'm like, man, all right, I, I've had a couple of good tournaments. Like, I want to keep going. Right. The hard part is like, all right, now I'm playing good. Like, all right, I've, I've worked really hard to get here. Let's, how do we find that balance of keep working really hard, but still having fun. You know, that's, that's just each individual is different in that aspect. Let's dig in a little deeper on the, you just said, what's my motivation today, right? When you wake yeah. up, would you say that's similar to what's my purpose? Is that a question? You, that's a question you ask yourself when you wake up and can that be a mental motivation? Can it be a physical, something you're working on with your swing? Is it like you said, Jim, kind of talk about all those things that you're working on. I would say like, motivation and purpose for me are two different things i view purpose as like why am i here like why why did god give me this like ability to hit a golf ball really good and why did he like put me out there in the public like there's a reason for it and then yeah. i think motivation is like all right what what's gonna make grayson happy when i put my head on the pillow at night what is driving me to want to go practice for eight hours ten hours i kind of view those a little different for me motivation is I just want to be great again. I have a clear mind right now, so I can say that. I just want to be great. Like, I want to I want to kick ass on a PJ Tour. I want to kick ass in life. I just want to be, like, that kid again. And then my purpose, I'm still trying to find it, but I'm, I'm like I said, I have a clear mind, and I'm starting to kind of see it a little better. I think my purpose is to kind of share my story of what I've done great and what I've done bad, but also help people that are kind of going through some challenges that I'm kind of a face and facing right now. So that's my purpose. And then that's my motivation, I would say. That's, that's good. It's interesting, Grace. And I was just talking to my, my own coach about this yesterday, about how the dangers and the power of using an end goal as like your why, it's different than the day-to-day -day goals. Meaning we just posted about this this week. Like I saw this video that was like, if you want to be a millionaire and you make 20 grand, if you make 50 grand next year, you're going to be You could be sad that you're not a millionaire yet, but you just doubled your income, right? Yep. Golf's the same way. Like you could be 
mad that you didn't win or that you don't have this certain status or that you didn't do X, Y, and Z. You didn't hit this many fairways, but you improved. Yeah. Right. So what is, what are some progress goals to make sure that you don't bog yourself down and you see progress every day? Is it commitment? Is it mental stuff? Like what, what is that for you? That's kind of what I'm working on, honestly, because like I went, worked with my coach this morning and I feel like I'm trying to be such a perfectionist out there on the driving range and whatnot. And I'm kind of getting frustrated, but he's there and another guy's there and they're like, man, you've improved just 30 minutes that we just worked. Mm-hmm. And I'm in my head. I'm like, really? I don't feel like I have, you know, yeah. but that's, that's kind of like, I feel like having the people around you that are just kind of, you don't want people to just boost your ego all the time. I don't think that's healthy at all, but also you don't want people bringing you down. So you can find the people that are like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to put Grayson, you know, I'm going to put him in his place when he needs to be put in his place, but also I'm going to give him some love because he might not be feeling that love himself right now. That's key. I kind of thought in my head today, I was like, wow, like they're, thinking I got better and I didn't think that so you know if they can see it then why can't I see it yeah Grayson I mean the inner circle is so important right your team your family your friends your coaches like if things are going wrong for a while right that's the stuff we all need to step back and look at right it's it's so vital it is I mean team teamwork like we we're at the end of the day we're hitting the shot but there's so much being done before I hit that shot. You know, that's why I think in interviews, you always hear guys that are unselfish, you know, bring up their team in the interviews and say, Hey, my team and I, we did great work, whether it's the caddy or the strength coach or your swing coach or your mental coach or your nutritionist, whatever it is, you know, whatever they feel like they need to be prepared. You know, I, I, I love it when I hear the guys give the interviews after their win and say, this was a team win because it truly is like we, you guys see us and our caddy on TV, but behind the scenes, there's a lot of teamwork that goes involved. So Grayson, let me ask you this. I've been thinking a lot about this one and I'm excited to hear your answer. Mm -hmm. What is harder in your opinion? One, not raising expectations after winning on the PJ tour as a rookie, right? Great start, best start you could have. Or two, keeping the faith and belief when you're at your lowest. What's harder? Yeah. The second one, for sure. The, the keeping the faith. Raising expectations, like, I feel like for me, when I'm on, a, like, a high and I'm, I'm doing well, it's just, like, adrenaline kind of that keeps me going. And you're kind of in that, like, zone that you don't think anything's, like, bad going to happen. You just kind of, you're just riding that. You want it to last forever. It doesn't. It never does. Some guys can keep it lasting longer than others. But when you're at your lowest and you have so many just bad thoughts racing through your mind about everything and you just question everything, that's like the hardest thing to get out of for me. It's like you can't snap your finger and just be out of a bad low spot in your life. If it's golf or if it's anything. And you want to, you want to, and you hear people say, oh, it's going to get better. You know, just keep working hard and all the BS that you really don't want to hear, you hear, it almost makes it worse when people are telling you that. And you just question like, why, why me? Why me? Like, why am I going through this? And you see all these other guys having success. Why me? But then like when you step back and like actually dissect it and, and say, all right, did I give myself the best opportunity to like really succeed or like to 
you know, if my goal is to win a major, did I get myself the best opportunity the last five years to win a major? No. So you have to like, you kind of have to come back to reality a little bit and just question like, all right, if, if, if you're in, if you're in this low and you've got these goals, well, what got you in that low? And a lot of times you'll find out that like, it's stuff that you can control. It's stuff that can be avoided a lot of times. And when you finally figure that out, it's like, now you can shift your focus to the, the stuff that I guess is important to you. And all of a sudden, like your mindset changes, like, all right, I'm just going to get better today. I'm going to focus on what I can control, which is a lot. People think they can't control a lot, but you can control a lot. And then, you know, I, your ways of thinking start changing and all of a sudden you, you get out of this hole and, you, and you're back up to where you want to be. And that right there is like, if you can control your hot, like if your highs aren't too high and your lows aren't too low, if you can kind of stay in that like middle, that's the like sweet spot. I feel like. It's interesting, right, Grayson? I mean, it's like, it's the difference of being overtaken by emotions. Whereas like, it's so funny. My own coach has said to me before, like, if I'm having a really off week or an off month or whatever, she'll be like, well, let's take a look at your habits for a second. Right. Mm -hmm. And more times than not, it's when you're traveling or when your sleep's off, you're eating stuff you don't normally eat. You're not working out as often as you work out. You don't meditate or whatever you do to regulate and get yourself in the best state. You're usually not doing those things. Right. But it can spiral because we're just in this emotional body of, I don't feel good and I'm frustrated. Yep. I guess the key is how have you gotten out of your emotions? How have you gotten out of that emotional state and gotten more into the execution of what you need to do to be your best? I mean, I'm working with a therapist right now and psychologist just about this type of stuff, because looking back, like when I get out of it, it's usually I'm, I got a routine and I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing just the little things. They're little things, but they're important. And then like when I'm off the sauce, when I'm off the booze, like my mind gets so much more clear. And that right there is like a huge thing for me. You know, drinking's not for everyone. It's not for me. It can be for other people, but that alone is like a huge thing for me. So like right now I'm sitting here and like I said, I had a clear mind and I can say that like with confidence a couple of weeks ago, I was not in a clear state of mind. So having this interview, it could have been a different type of voice that I was giving y'all. So, you know, just identifying it and, and like learning from your mistakes, man. Like I, I, I make so many mistakes. Like I'll make a mistake today. You know, it might not be a big mistake, but I'll make a mistake and I make so many mistakes, but I, I try to learn from them. You know, and it might take me longer than some people and it might take me shit. I might not ever learn from them, but I feel like, you know, I just turned 29 and people say, you know, you get mature, you get older, you, you start looking at things a little differently, your brain's starting to develop. And I feel like that's the case right now. I feel like I'm starting to see like, all right, you know, like it's okay to not be okay right now. And you know what? It's okay to not be okay tomorrow, but I, I have a clear mind and I, I'm going to just get up and I'm going to control things I can control and we're going to kick ass today. And I'm going to make many mistakes today, but I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to put my head on that pillow and I'm going to say, you know what? I gave myself the best chance to succeed today. I did my little things. I think the hardest part about that too is like you want immediate success, right? It's like you think, all right, I'm doing all these right things. I'm doing the little things. I'm man, I'm doing, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, but it's just not the scores aren't happening or 
life's just not happening. And that's the frustrating part. It's like, man, like, what else can I do? So that right there is like, all right, as long as you cannot, like, if you can get over that little hurdle and not go back down and get discouraged, that's, that's, that's when you know you're, you're starting to like mature. Grayson, do you think you're at this point right now where it's about working smarter versus working harder? Like just listen to you talk like these tweaks you're making, right? Whether you said not drinking fitness, waking up with a good motivational thought, and then obviously going to the range and all that stuff. But that's just kind of what I'm gathering from you. It's cool. Gosh, it's like, I always thought like, I got to outwork everyone on the range. I got to outwork everyone on the putting green. I got to, in my mind, I felt more prepared than they did, but it's so much different now. Like I feel so much more prepared if I'm like, my mind's right. Yeah. I mean, dude, I can go work my ass off on the golf course and practice all I want. But at the end of the day, like, I don't feel prepared that way now. I feel prepared when I'm sitting here and, and having a conversation with you all about this. Honestly, that that right there is giving me, you know, when you open up about things, when you start, like, expressing your feelings and, like, diving deeper into that, I that's where I feel prepared. And right. it's crazy how much the anxiety level comes down when you start, like, having those conversations with people. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was growing up, so I played, I played D1, all my brothers, we all played in college. So we grew up playing and those long practice days, right? I like to practice and like, they're great in a lot of ways, but, and you've already kind of touched on this. you got to have a goal. If you're going to do an eight to 10 hour practice, you've got to have all these goals set up because if you don't, it's just, it's just repetition, which we need, but it becomes mindless or you're hitting too many balls and you're hitting it good. Then you're not hitting it good. Then what's wrong. It's like, what are my goals? What, what was my goals at 8 a.m.? 12 p.m. and 3 p.m., right? And I think it's easy to lose sight of that, at least from what I remember, and kind of got into some bad habits. Oh, for sure. It's like there's no worse feeling than going out there and working your butt off for hours and hours, and then you go home and, like, you're like, man, I don't even, like, feel like I got better. Right. What did I – right. Yeah. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, so talk about talk about maybe your practice sessions, short game, long game, mental stuff, and what you're working on. I feel like – Nowadays, it's like I'm a guy who gets my confidence on the course. I don't really get my confidence out on the driving range and whatnot. So yeah. I'm down here in Florida. I like to just play a lot. I, mean, I don't care who I play with. I can play with 30 handicap. I can play with my buddies who are really good. I, it doesn't matter. I just get confidence seeing shots and shaping shots and making birdies. And that's what I did as a kid. Like I would just go I'd take my bag and I would tee off on number one at 5 p.m. and play as many holes before dark. And I didn't care what my swing felt like. I was just trying to make as many birds as possible. Just foot on the gas, right? Just yeah. <laughs> so there's times that you, you know, you, all right, I feel a little off my swing. Let's, let's get a little checkup with my coach. That's fine. That's maintenance. That's stuff that like you need a little, you need a little tune in every now and then. But for the most part, it's like, man, let's just go and play. Let's just go play Nassau with my buddies and try to beat their butts and, I mean, that's, I, I just saw an interview with uh, Zalatoris and Tony Romo, a little clip of it. And, you know, they're so competitive and they have all the money they can, you know, they can't spend their money. And all they want to do is take however much they're playing for versus each other and just beat their brains out. And I think Zalatoris even said he's more nervous playing with Romo for a thousand <laughs> bucks, making a putt for a million dollars. And I get, like, I understand where that concept is actually coming from because it's it's so true man like he doesn't care if he finishes eighth or, or fifth on tour but he just wants to beat tony remo <laughs> when he's when they're playing together right it sounds like you really connect with being a competitor 
It sounds like that's mm -hmm. core to what yeah. you want to get back to is it doesn't matter what it means. You just want to beat the guy you're playing with. Exactly. And you yeah. know what? When you just said that, it kind of made me like, oh, wait, kind of a bulb went off. Yeah, I, I, I kind of lost that like competitiveness for a little while. I was like, ah, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to go drown my sorrows after this and like forget about it. And that's like what I would do. I would go through those cycles of like, ah, you know, it's okay. I just missed the cut. And then I'm like, I'm rewarding myself after that. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go gamble. I'm going to go drink. And then I'll just forget about it. But you know what? That made it so much worse. And, and then the next week I'm trying to, I'm going to go through the same thing and I'm going to miss the cut and I'm going to go, through, I'm going to reward myself again. So I lost that competitiveness for a long time. And it's still not there. I mean, I, it's not where I want it to be, but damn, if I'm not working on it. That's interesting, Grace, in your perspective there, because we are going to have bad rounds, right? But there's a difference between letting it go and then rewarding yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, we need to let it go, kind of get back to work as opposed to, you know, like you said, going out and doing stuff that's shouldn't have been doing in the situation. Since, yeah. It's such a cover up. It's like, like I was living two lives. Like I was like, I'd play good and I would, you know, or I'd play bad and whatever it would be is just like, you're covering up whatever you did instead of like, and it doesn't mean like you got to go punish yourself when you miss a cut. Like you don't have to right. go and you punish yourself and go to the range the next day for 10 hours or whatever, you know, you don't have to do that either. But when you go on those cycles of like, ah, I'm going to go drink, I'm going to go gamble and I'm just going to forget about it and for the night, you know, and then I'm going to show up to the next event, wherever it is. And I'm going to go play and miss the cut. I'm going to go do it again. Uh, when you start doing that and you go down that rabbit hole, it is a hard hole to get out of. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors that just dropped a brand new product line. It's called the Athlete Line Oars and Alps. You probably know them for their award-winning sunscreen and deodorant, but they just dropped their Athlete Line. And honestly, I'm excited, but I'm also a little sad that I didn't have this back in the day, okay? We're all athletes out there slinging that golf club, hitting 300-yard drives, right? So muscle recovery bomb to relieve sore muscles with clinical strength bomb. It's in this little compact little roll-on package. You have sore muscles before or after your round, throw this baby on, okay? Anti-everything body powder. This is sweat absorbing powder in a spray can, super small and compact. That's tough on chafing, sweat, sticky skin. This is the one I really wish that I had. I've used baby powder when I play in 100 degree heat in Palm Springs. I've put deodorant down there. I've tried everything, okay? Anti-everything body powder without all the crazy ingredients. Clean ingredients, this is what it's all about, okay? Keep yourself dry and comfortable. This could be a game changer. And then an Epsom salt soap bar that'll soothe sore muscles with an added boost of shea butter intensely hydrating your skin. So really whatever you need, guys, if you have sore muscles, if you have chafing, or if you wanna give yourself a little boost when you go and shower, Oars and Alps has it for you. Okay. So go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off the new athlete line. I'm going to get myself the recovery bomb and the body powder. I'm going to get all three, but definitely the body powder I'm most excited about. Throw in a deodorant, throw in a face wipe. They've got it all. Use the code while you got it. Browse their site. They're seriously the best. Every new product they release is better than the last. So oarsandalps.com, enter the code train and get yourself 50% off and be an athlete out there, folks. All right, let's get back to the show. Isn't it funny how this game, it sounds so simple to just go compete, 
But if you really think about it, I bet you a large majority of our listeners, myself included, if you really take a step back and think to yourself on the golf course, am I competing right now? Or am I just like trying to prevent bad shots from happening? Am I just playing golf swing? Am I totally playing in my own head instead of actually like engaging with my playing partners, my buddies and trying to beat them? I bet you not a lot of people are Mm -hmm. trying to beat their opponent when they play golf. I bet you they're just trying not to mess up. And you hear the the term always play the course, but right. Grayson, there's a fine line, as you know, right? Like it's yeah, you do. But what if you played your opponent that day? What if you just said, I'm going to beat this guy's butt. I'm going to go out and if he shoots six under, I'm still going to beat him. Or if he shoots even, I'm still going to beat him by, I'm going to try to beat him by eight that day. Like whatever it is. I think that's why Tiger was so good. It's like, yeah, he could beat the course like any day of the week, but he could beat his opponents, man. Like his opponents, if you were paired with him, how hard was it to play with Tiger? Because you were worried about him. You were watching him. You were getting all of him. But at the end of the day, he was just trying to, he was trying to beat your butt, whether he said it or not. He didn't want anyone in his group to beat him. Totally. And Grayson, I want to talk about the U.S. Open just for a second, because I actually think, and this is why I'm so excited to talk about this, because everyone can relate to being frustrated. Everyone can relate to getting down on yourself. And I want to shed light on the fact that there's a lot behind frustration. It's not that just you have a temper or she is a temper or that guy is a temper. But I want people to really think about so that they can do this with themselves of what was going on for you on Sunday, I think, at the U.S. Uh, Open that everybody's seen that we don't need to go into too much. But I do think it can help a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that that's a perfect example of like, I didn't have my life. My life was not good off the course. My girlfriend had just ex-girlfriend had just broken up with me and. God, man, there's so much frustration inside of me at that time. And I didn't really, I, I went at the point at that time where I was opening up to people about my frustration. It was, it was all just inside of me. I, you know, I, obviously U.S. Opens are very tough and you don't get rewarded when you feel like you should. And I hit a shot that I thought was good and it goes in the weeds. And, you know, it, two minutes later, I walk off with an eight on a par four and I throw my putter. And I'm just so in that right. That moment was like, all right, all this frustration of off the course, my girlfriend breaking up with me, just all this stuff that I was so mad about just came out, you know, in the public eye. And that's obviously when you don't want it to come out, but I couldn't help it. It was just one of those things. Like I didn't even think about it. I didn't think twice about doing anything. It was just bam. Yeah. And then you're like, you look and you kind of think you're like, man, did I really just do that? Like in that, in that moment, but it sucks because you hear people talk about it or you see people, their comments about it. They just see that moment. They see that moment of me doing that and they don't know about the breakup and about the frustration. So I don't want to like feel like I'm making excuses and like, all right, this is why I acted up, but it is like, it really is why I acted up. And so that's tough. Like for me, I'm, you know, as a man, like it's, it's, it's very hard to be vulnerable. And I feel like I'm pretty vulnerable compared to a lot of men, but it's very hard to talk about personal things like that to people. And for me, like, I feel like when I'm going through that moment, no one knew what I was going through. Like my parents didn't know. My ex-girlfriend doesn't know, like no one knows. My caddy doesn't know. And then now 
fast forward four or five months later, a lot of people who are close to me. They're like, makes sense. Like this, it makes total sense. And that is like, I guess kind of a positive thing now, like looking back, like now they can help me. They can see signs of like, all right, Grayson's kind of getting frustrated. What, what's going on? And he, and they can help me, you know? And so, and I feel like I can talk about it more now and not let it get to that point where it did at the U S open. I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm never going to throw a club again, but I do know how to handle that frustration off the course better now than I did four months ago. It's just amazing. All the external factors they're not in the right place. Like you said, it was almost mm-hmm. like an out-of-body experience whipping the club, right? Because just like, this just has to happen because of everything you were feeling. You know what's interesting, though, is like you talked earlier about how the, some of the most frustrating moments are when you're working hard, you're doing the right things, but you're not getting the results, right? So in that mm-hmm. moment, it's the easy thing to get frustrated. Everyone, it's human. Everyone would get frustrated in that, in that scenario right? Hit a great shot. Think you hit a great shot. It's in the weeds at the U S open normal human response, automatic response, frustration. I think what I'm hearing and what you're starting to, to work on, which is really what we all are working on is how can you not take the first response? How can you not take the easy automatic response? How can you be in what is a textbook frustrating situation but take a step back before you react, mm-hmm. choose a different thought and go with that. Is that fair? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, I think the huge thing that like sports psychologists will work on with, with athletes. I've literally have talked about this with numerous psychologists before, and you know, they all have their kind of different advice on how to do that. Some say count to whatever backwards or something. And then it's always kind of like that, old saying it's like if you if, if you want to send a text or an email to someone you know because you're mad it's the 24 hour rule like wait 24 right. hours and see if you'd say that exact same email to them and usually you wouldn't so obviously you don't wait 24 hours to you know after you hit a shot <laughs> you gotta you gotta hit your next shot so there's all different tricks you can do and and not tricks but i'd say psychologists would give you some tools to work on that thing I heard back way back was like a guy said I'm not I can't start complaining about bad breaks until I get three bad breaks when I get three bad breaks in a round whether it's like I hit the fairway and I ended up in a divot whatever the breaks are you consider breaks until I get three bad breaks I can't start complaining because everyone gets bad breaks you know three bad breaks in a round that's that's pretty bad like uh, i would start being like all right what what the heck's going on today but i feel like every, every time you tee it up you're gonna get one bad break in the round and that doesn't give you i don't think one bad break's enough to start complaining but that's a cool little piece of advice i got back in the day and maybe i should start utilizing it again well we have you and i love talking about those kinds of things like i saw a quote recently walter hagan said i know i'm gonna make seven mistakes in the round today so make one or two, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's like a, he's like, I know I'm going to make seven. And I think that just like, it, it diffuses you, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> he probably meant like mistakes is in like hitting bad shots, right? Right, yeah, so, you know, different than breaks, bad breaks for sure. But just this idea of keeping his mind calm, you know, what you're doing with the bad breaks. Just like your dad told you when you were 13, yeah. Grayson, it's expectations, right? Where everybody says yep. it's, you, you're not going to be perfect. Golf's not a game of perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but it's so funny. Just like people were trying to pick you up when you were at your lowest, when you're at your lowest and someone comes to you with positivity, it's easy to reject it. 
because it's easy to feel like they don't understand the pain that you're going through. So a lot of times it's expectations going in that are actually like quantifiable where it's just like, yeah, it's just one of those. Or it's this idea of like, it doesn't need to feel as bad as it does simply because of X thought and you add something in that helps you diffuse it or take you out of that negative spiral. I mean, I want to ask you, Grayson, like we've asked other tour pros. I'm always fascinated by this. Like, what do you do to get through a round where you just don't have it? Has there been a moment where you've been proud of yourself for salvaging a round that was better than the game that you had that day? What's been kind of key for you in those days? Doesn't necessarily have to be mental. It can be the types of shots you hit. It can be course management tactics, like any tidbits you can share with our listeners when you just don't have it? Yeah, I mean, there's days that you just you get off to a bad start and you're like, well, that, that's weird because I was hitting a great on the range. I was hitting a great yesterday. I'm not nervous. Like, I feel great. Those are the days that you just have to battle, man. It's like you got to you gotta set yourself some mini goals during the round, the rest of the round. You got to – whatever it is to get you out of that little stretch you're in. And honestly – some days you just can't get out of it. You just can't. It's not because you gave up. That's why you make those little goals. If you give up, then you know what? You deserve to not make the cutter. You deserve to not play well. And I've done that in my career. I've given up out there. And there's no worse feeling than to walk away that day and you're, you gave up. Like, it's terrible. When you see other guys do it in your group, you, you're like, you kind of like in your head, you're laughing at it. You're like, man, he looks I like he's showing, like he's making a fool of himself. And then you do it and you don't think it at the moment. But then afterwards, you're like, man, I just made a fool of myself. I can't think of like an exact moment, but I've definitely had moments in my career where I should not have made a cut. And I just fought so hard. And I I somehow I somehow did. And I somehow might turn it into a great weekend. You never know what you're going to do on the weekends. But you got to get there first, right? And if you give up, you're not going to get there. I really admire Tiger Woods when it comes to this because he has all the money in the world and all he wants to do if he doesn't have it that day is to finish one spot higher if he's 56 on Sunday and he just doesn't have it he wants to get the 55th and there's no reason for him to ever want to do that like that doesn't do anything for his records that doesn't do anything for his money bank account doesn't do anything but for him it does it 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 gave him that confidence. You know what? I didn't have it, but I freaking, I moved up that board, man. And he could walk away with his head held high after days like that. And the media is just all on him. Like, Hey, you know what? We're wrong or whatever. If he can do that, why can't a guy like me who has nothing compared to him? Yeah. Why why would I give up? Like what? I, if, if anything, I need to be fighting for that extra one point or two points. And when you stop and think about that, like the guy who's literally one of the best ever to do it, when he doesn't have it, he doesn't give up. Like that, that right there speaks volumes to me. Do you think, I mean, just when you're out there and your swing's not there, not hitting fairways, you just, you just feel off. It happens a lot. Do you feel like you just remind yourself to compete? Because that's what I feel like I used to like, you have to just remind yourself, just, just compete. Like, I mean, you talked about being the competitor you are. Then the other part I think about, I want to get your take. And we've heard this about some other players is like, Look, you're not hitting, you're not hitting a lot of greens. So just have fun with your short game today. When you're in that mindset, that's when you turn that 73 into 70 or 69. 
the best players in the world are so good at doing it, but so good at hiding it as well. They're really struggling out there, but they are, you know, and they shoot their 69 or 70 that day. And over a four-day tournament, they're going to find it in a 20-hole stretch and shoot 10 under in that 20-hole stretch. Like you said, I, I would say keeping keeping it fun, like when you don't have your your iron game or whatever and, and try to, all right, you know what, I'm going to make a game out of it now. I'm going to try to see how many up and downs I can get. That's an important thing for a caddy as well. Like, I think what makes a great caddy is keeping their player in it when they're not. They can tell, they're, you know, their head's not in it or they're just their game's not in it. I think that's really important for a caddy to know their player in that circumstance. You know what's also amazing by your Tiger story and Tiger example is of anyone in the world, it would be easiest as Tiger to be embarrassed by finishing 55th. Absolutely. Right? Like if he compared himself against his prime self and all of his wins and all of where the game was easy, he could get super and down on himself. I think the takeaway for me that with that is he doesn't have the ego there. He removed himself from the ego and he was just so focused on competing in that task of finishing one spot higher. Well, his game was make another cut in a row. That streak yeah. is what he's yeah. so proud of. That guy, man. If you look at, like, you talk about not having stuff, you know, off the course in the right place, he had a lot of that in his career, but he still found a way to win golf tournaments during some of those stretches. That alludes to how strong he is in the mind. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll get you right back to the show. Guys, in case you didn't know, I don't talk about it that often. I do mental coaching in addition to the podcast. And I've had golfers from scratch all the way to 12s and above. If you want to take your mental game from listening to this show to the next level, get one-on-one help. We'll put you on a plan, especially if you use mental golf type. I'm a certified coach with mental golf type. We can take your game to the next level. Go to thepartrain.com slash golf mental coaching or just email us at thepartrain at gmail.com. Give us a shout. We can have an introductory chat and figure out what you need to work on to get your game to the next level. Get off that struggle bus and get back on track. So thepartrain.com slash golf mental coaching. Give us a shout. Let's get your game to the next level. All right, let's get back to the show. Grayson, talk about 2017 for a second. Rookie of the year. You won the Barbasol. You had just won a finals event in the Corn Ferry the year before. So were you just riding the wave? Or how was it different? Did anything change for you going into the PGA Tour, your first season and your first win? Talk about that. So when I went from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour, nothing really changed much. I was honestly doing all the same stuff. Like it was it was a lot of playing golf and then a lot of just having fun off the course, having fun at what I thought was fun. You know, at some point where I don't know where it was, but it caught up to me and I realized the same guys who I'm competing with week in and week out are treating this like a full-time real job, and I was not. And your talent can only hide but for so long before the other stuff starts showing. The guys who are getting up three, four hours before their tea time and doing all the things they're supposed to do, I was not. You know, it just multiplies. It it compounds. And, you know, sure enough, it's going to catch up to you. I don't care who you are. And it did. I mean, it caught up to me. And I think that's just part of like, that's my story. That's not, you know, it's not anyone else's story. It's my story. And I 
have to learn from my story or I'm going to be doing something else in a few years. I'm not going to be playing golf if I don't learn. So, you know, I'm in the learning phase and unfortunately it's taking me a little longer than some people, but it doesn't matter. It's my story. Uh, I mean, it's just part of growth and overcoming maturity, whatever you want to call it. Everybody goes through it at some point in their career. They do. They do. And that's another thing. It's like, you can't compare yourself to other people. And in that sense, because their story is their story. I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but at the end of the day, like whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. It's going to, it's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. It's not going to be maybe how you wanted it to work out, but there's, there's a plan for every one of us. And, you know, you just got to trust that plan. And I, I mean, I'm 29, I'm still young. Like I can, I feel like I'm not having even reached, reached my prime yet, but I also know that I'm not going to ever reach my prime if I don't start shifting the focus and some of the things I've been talking about. And so that's why I'm doing it is to give myself that chance. You know, I think learning from some of the things I've done in the past is huge growth step. You know, it's a huge thing for me. And now it's time to like, all right, cut that off. Like, let's stop talking about it. Let's stop like going back and saying, oh, it could have been this could have been that. That, that right there is just going to bring me down. You know, it's like I saw Xander Shoffley, and I don't want to keep name dropping, but it's I feel like, guys, you know, whoever's watching the show, these people I'm talking about, they see him on TV a lot. But it's cool to share stories you know, that people don't yeah. see. And so, like, I saw Xander in Vegas this past weekend. We were practicing, and Xander's great. He's a great guy and obviously a great player. And I played with him the final round of the final tournament on the Corn Ferry Tour back in 2016. And he played bad like his last three holes and didn't get his card. And then he got his card through the finals. And, you know, look at him now, right? And, like, he didn't know at the time, like, if he didn't get his card through the finals, like, he wouldn't have ended up the Xander that he is now. But, you know, his path was was meant to go the way it did. And, like, he's taken advantage of it and he's really – he's done really well. And I'm proud, like, I'm proud to see that. I'm, I'm happy for him. Like, I'm genuinely happy to see that. His career could have gone a lot different way. I look at it as like my career could have gone a lot different way too. Like I, I could not even be playing golf right now. I mean, I have the opportunity that most people still don't. And I'm fortunate. Like I, I'm I don't have the best status, but I got enough that can that can turn my life around in one week. And it's being patient, man. I think like at the end of the day, like I want it so bad and I want it like I want results now. And I have to just keep telling myself like it might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen the next day. It might not, you know, might, it might not happen a year from now. I can be talking to y'all in a year from now and it might not have looked how I wanted it to, but one day or one, one tournament or one, whatever, it, it's going to turn. And it, yeah, I've been there before. Like I know how to, you know, I, I'm so much smarter now. I'm going to, I'm going to know how to handle it. And I, it could be, it could be awesome for me. It could be something that I turn into a career changer. At the end of the day, I'm going to help a lot of people with my story. And I feel like when I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to be a better person at the end of the day. And golf is, is just icing on the cake at that point. It's life, right? Trust your process, repeat your habits and let go. You know, what's funny, Grayson, is you were talking about the power of patience with, you don't know necessarily how your career is going to go, right? Whether it's week to week, month to month or year plus. But the interesting thing about what you just said is that's the same thing. Same thing goes from round to round where you might have an idea of how you want certain rounds to go, your shots to go, 
but your round's not going to go the way that you expect either. Mm-mm. Right. So that same level of patience that you're hoping for in your career applies round to round shot to shot as well. It does. And I mean, that's just, yeah, it does. And, and also, it, I mean, you can apply it to life too. Our sport is so cool because it's, I feel like you can learn a lot. Like you can take what you learn in golf and you can apply it to life and vice versa. And I don't, I don't know if you can say that about every sport. The game takes a while, right? Look at VJ Singh. Yeah. It wasn't until his thirties, you know, he, that he made yeah. the tour. And like everybody says, you know, but your prime can come usually comes in your thirties. So all those little things that just kind of remind yourself, right. That it's coming. It is. If you do the right things, that's, that's correct, the big correct. part, right? Repeat, okay. repeat the habits, yeah. right? Exactly. You got it. Because if you don't, then, you know, that's just like wanting to win the lottery, but like not playing the lottery, you know, it's like, right. How are you going to win if you don't buy a ticket? Grayson, before we let you go and thank you again for hopping aboard, I think this yeah. is going to help a lot of people. The last thing I'll ask you is for anyone struggling out there, whether that means on the golf course or off, is there anything that you'd like to reiterate that we've already talked about or something you'd like to say that you haven't had a chance to? I would just say, like, don't be afraid to, like, don't be afraid to not feel great at all times. I think, like, sometimes, like, for me, I'm going to be honest, like, the last, like, two weeks ago, man, I was, like, ready to just, it's, this is going to be bad. This is going to be a da- bad, like, dark place. But it's, I was Googling, like, if, if I commit suicide, will I go to heaven? Like, that's how bad it got. Just waking up and, like, taking a shower was, like, an accomplishment. And it's okay. like if you don't feel great that like when you wake up or you don't feel great when you're going to bed, like it's okay to not feel great. But I think you have to find your purpose when it, when it's not going great. Like for me, I knew if I would have done that bad thing, I just said, like my dad would have been gone like that. His heart couldn't have taken it. So that was my purpose. It's like, I don't want to be selfish to my family, you know? Sorry, guys. Um, You're good. It's going to get better. I think, like, you can't feel sorry for yourself because there's a lot of people that have it a lot worse. You can't can't let a bad moment or a bad thing define you because we all have bad moments. And if we're all defined by our bad moments, like, it wouldn't be good. Just be open to getting help, man. Like, it's literally, it's okay to have an issue and, and to get help. Every day is not perfect for me. It's not like I can wake up and I don't feel great, but just getting help and and wanting to just do the right things. You know, my DMs are always open. Like I I get people all the time that will text me or DM me and, you know, they found their purpose that day and they're just happy to share it with someone. And I I look at it and I, I you know, I congratulate them. So if there's anyone watching this show and wants to DM me and I'll be there responding because I know what they're going through and, people need people in this life. Like we're, we're also mean to each other and we need more positivity. So I'm, I'm happy for y'all that you guys are doing like this show, because I think more platforms would be better off if they're like y'all. Well, Grayson, your, your story is relatable and it's, it's inspirational and it's, it's so important. And yeah. Thanks. Is, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for sharing, man. That I know. Yeah. That right, I didn't mean to get, so mean to get so deep. Yeah. No, no, no that's, I mean, that's, this is what this is. You know, honestly, Grayson, out. I know it sounds trivial, but what we say in every intro of our show is if you can smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. And I know it sounds silly, but that's the point of our show is we can get so down with something that can look so trivial to someone else, but it just proves that 
our level of happiness and purpose and fulfillment is up here. It's a choice. You know, some people might be thrilled with the bad shot that I just hit, you know, just like you just said. So thank you for sharing. As you said, your DMs are open. So at Grayson Murray on Instagram, we're going to keep cheering you on. We'd love to have you back. And I'll just say this, Grayson, all of this I know is going to be worth it because I bet you're going to be standing up there one day and that second PJ tour win is going to feel exponentially more special than your first one. And that platform that you're speaking about is going to get even bigger. And you're going to help more people. So it's a special, thank you for sharing. It's a special journey you're on Grayson. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope I can help people. And you know, my golf is like, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a good golfer, but uh, it's, it's so second to me now, you know, yeah. it really is. Well, thank you, man. Best yeah. of luck. We're going to cheer yeah. you on and we'll love to have you back again. All right. See you guys. Thanks. See ya. If you or someone you know is in crisis or feeling really down, call 988 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. You can also call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. You can also visit speakingofsuicide.com slash resources for additional info. And always remember... Our DMs at the par train on Instagram are always open. So if you need anything or you're feeling down, you need someone to talk to, you can always DM us. I always read them and we'll reply back. Thank you for listening, guys. Take care.